and welcome to the Trans Questioning Podcast. You're listening to episode one. I just wanted to give a quick intro from the future. This episode was recorded in September of 2017. I've been recording these episodes for a few months, so the first seven are going to be in the past before this show has launched. I welcome comments and feedback and questions, but I won't be able to get to any of them on the show until the future. So please be patient with that, and you'll get where you can contact me at the end of this episode. Just a quick content warning, this episode contains frank discussions of depression, family death, and suicidal thoughts. So if you are triggered by those things, please don't listen to this podcast. Or do, if you want to face it. Uh, It's all very positive, but, you know, be warned. Hello, everybody. It is currently... 12.55 a.m. on Friday, September 29th. I'm sitting in my living room and not in a more amenable audio recording location because all of my roommates are asleep and I want to avoid waking them up, which is why I'm speaking in what sounds to me like a relatively low voice. And of course, I'm bringing the tone of my voice way down, which is problematic. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, so I just got back from a trip to Walmart, uh, which I made because the uh, Super Nintendo Classic had its like midnight release tonight, and I wanted one because there's a lot of SNES games I missed out on, and I'm weird because I need like a physical object to uh, remind me to play a game. I guess I could start making, like, totems for all the the hundreds of Steam games that I've started and never finished. I don't know. Anyway, I went there in the hopes of getting one, and of course, I didn't. um, There had been a line. It got numbers and stuff, and none of that really matters. Um, But I kind of walked around the store, and as has become kind of common for my recent late-night trips to Walmart, I wound up in the uh, women's clothing section, and uh, been wanting to try leggings for a while now. So I found a pair that I like. They're like horizontal lines, like red and black and gray. And it's all very textured, and they're very soft. I'm wearing them right now. Actually, right now, I am wearing all clothes that are signified female? I'm not sure what the term for that is. Except maybe my socks? I don't know if that really counts. (laughs) And I paid like six bucks for this pair of leggings, and I would have paid $80 for the SNES Classic. And walking home, I was like, you know what? I'm not too torn up about it, because I don't don't really need an $80 toy, but uh, somehow this pair of leggings does something for me. It's weird. So I guess that kind of gets us right to the point, doesn't it? My name is I I guess I'm confident enough to say that I am transgender. Uh, I only had this realization about myself about two months ago. I'm 28 years old, and I wanted to start a podcast because I've spent the last two months doing a lot of research about transgender issues and the transgender experience and sort of 
trying to figure out whether or not I am transgender. And the frustrating realization that I had very early on in this process was that everybody sort of goes through it differently. Um, everybody has doubts, and all of their doubts are a little bit different. So instead of creating a podcast where I position myself as like an authority on the subject, because I'm very much not, I instead wanted to create a chronicle of my progress, both physically and mentally, because even just in the last two months, a lot has changed for me, uh, which we'll get into. But just for a little bit of background about me, uh, I am a film student <laughs> in Oklahoma. I've kind of lived in the South my whole life. Uh, besides, uh, I grew up in Ohio uh, eight years from when I was four to when I was uh, 12. But I went to high school in Texas. Went to a lot of school in Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma. So this is kind of where I've been most of my life. And I consider myself a media critic, which is an extremely pretentious thing to say about oneself. That's just sort of what I do. I, th I think about movies and video games uh, and criticize them, uh, not like in the term in the sense of reviews, but like trying to study them and understand how they work and why they work. And I love it. I have a YouTube show called Let's Talk About Stuff, where I've been doing that sort of, I don't want to say professionally, because I'm not really getting paid for it. Well, I have a Patreon, and I've got a couple of people giving me a little bit of money for that, so I guess I am getting paid for it. I'm actually recording this podcast while uh, footage is converting for a video I'm working on about Game of Thrones. But so I've, I've over the course of this personal journey, I've wanted to find more people whose experience reflects mine. And maybe that's a little close-minded, I don't know. But a lot of the op-eds you'll read and the guides you'll read, they come from people who have sort of come out the other side a little bit. And that's not to say that that's all of it. It certainly isn't. But for the most part, that seems to be the case. Where, And I think that makes sense, where a trans person faces a lot of potential persecution by putting themselves in the public eye. So one would not necessarily be in a place to write or talk about their personal experiences until such a time as they're like already presenting in public and trying to pass and transitioning in general or however it is that they choose to undergo that process, which again is not the same for everybody. So the point of this podcast is for me to sort of just lay out where my head is at. I have doubts. I said that I'm pretty confident that I'm transgender, and I'd say I'm probably like at 92%. When this thing started, I was... <laughs> the first day, the day that I had the realization, I was at 100% certainty. And then a few days passed, and I started thinking about it, and then like the weight of it sort of just hit me. And I was like, oh shit, this is a big choice. But it didn't really feel like a choice, and that's why I've sort of like stuck with it. So I guess I'll go into my personal, my personal experience. I've never felt comfortable in my body. Uh, I don't particularly like how I look. I was bullied a lot as a kid 
I've always been a very weird person. Uh, people, they usually take a long time to warm up to me. In high school, I, I, I distinctly remember starting to feel depressed about everything. I described myself as a uh, person who hated all of humanity. I can't remember the I can't remember the word. I used to love that word, misanthrope. I I described myself as as a misanthrope. God, I was an asshole, and I was just very cynical. But I also like I don't know. I've always thought of myself as a very optimistic person. So I don't know what what the deal was with that cynicism. Whatever. I had a hard time fitting in, doing classes, everything, and I hated my body. I distinctly remember uh, hating gaining weight and growing hair all over the place. That's the big thing, I guess, if I were to describe my body dysphoria, it would be just hair in general. Because my father was a very hairy person, so of course I got that from him. It, it came in so fast, so quick. Like I, I had the 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 ability to grow almost a full beard before I finished uh, high school. Uh, I in my senior year, I was pulled aside by teachers a lot because they were like, "Who are you? What are you doing in here? Why is this grown ass adult in this high school?" I'm like, no, I'm I'm a student. I promise. Here's my ID. Had to wear it around your neck, so it's not like they couldn't see it. I remember trying to shave like my my chest hair specifically. That's always been like the big thing, chest and back. As it grows very thick and long, which is gross, I'm uncomfortable even describing it. And it was just one of those things like I guess media representations of hairy guys just sort of prime us to hate body hair. It's always a symbol of this person is less than human, or this person is less evolved, uh, stupider, more gross. Usually when you see like a fat person in a movie, they're hairy and they're like eating a lot of like really shitty food. And so sort of just sub subconsciously we hate hair. And that's, that's dumb. It's natural. It's normal. There's nothing wrong with it. But from the beginning, I could f just... It felt like my body was growing into a person that was not me. And I remember looking in the mirror and just being so mad at the shape of my face and like having to shave. And I've always been terrible at shaving. I've been doing it for years. I gave up for a long time and just let my beard grow because it was easier. Uh, but anytime I've ever had to shave, it's always like I end up cutting my face. No matter how long I do it, I, I'm terrible at it. I have very sensitive skin on my face, I guess. Uh, but I just I resented having to do that. I just remember looking in the mirror at my face and just like, God, if people could just see who I am without seeing this face, if I could just... Like rip my heart out and show it to people and just say, this is who I am. Not this physical exterior, but this, this like kernel of the soul. Then they would understand me because I always felt like misunderstood. I, 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 it, was, it was always very hard for me to express my ideas. I got frustrated very quickly and very easily. Um, I had a hard time dealing with 
different opinions, opinions that I disagreed with, um, you know, normal, normal teenage stuff like that. And that just kind of got worse as time went on. And the thing is that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about like the gender spectrum at the time. I mean, this would have been 2004 through 2008. I didn't know shit about gender. I barely was okay with the idea of, of maybe being gay. I've always been, like I was, I was raised in a fairly progressive household. My mom was very uh, liberal. And she brainwashed me, of course, as all liberal parents must. Um, and I, I, I vocally defended my my gay friends, and I have always been someone who felt very strongly like, if this is a person who struggles to be seen by the majority, I'm on their side pretty much all the time. Um, but when it came to myself, I was like, no, I'm I'm just straight. I'm normal. I'm just going through like a thing. I have a hard time with it, and sort of the project of my adulthood has been peeling the layers of that stupidity back. It's not stupidity. It's hesitance, doubt. I'm trying to find the right word. Maybe it's just a desire to be normal. I think maybe everybody just wants to be a fucking normal person and not have to deal with all of this extra shit. Anyway, I didn't think of it as like body dysphoria or gender dysphoria and I don't specifically remember like wanting to be a, a woman or express as a woman I didn't particularly want to express as anything I I hated my clothes I hated having to dress up uh like I hated taking care of myself like for appearances I thought that, that was superfluous but looking back I I I always had an, an envy for the shape and color of women's clothing to this day it's sort of a thing where i just like i I look through like the men's clothes section like when i was at walmart today i I looked through the men's clothes section uh and it's just like gray t-shirts and blue jeans and all this boring crap and like a bunch of uh like star wars branded t-shirts and stuff that's like ah i got my truck and my girl and my dog and we're all going in my truck to the america flag place you know like they have and it's just it's so boring it's 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 just really frustrating to 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 go looking through the men's clothes section and just feel like nothing here is remotely expressive it's all homogenous and bleh and then you look over at the women's clothes section it's like look at all these interesting shapes and all these like colors and different textures of material. It's great. I love it. And I think I I always I always had like a shame when I looked at women's clothes, like at, at a store, I would always like look and then glance away and like feel like shame. And I always attributed that to like s- some kind of like weird sexualization that I was doing. Like I was afraid that I would look at bras and be like, oh, I'm thinking about breasts. I can't do that. That's bad. That's sexist. I need to not do that. So I'd like avert my eyes. But it's possible. Oh, oh, just bumped the table. It's possible that I was looking at clothes that I wanted to wear and didn't want to admit it. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I might be reading too much into the past. I might be misinterpreting my own memories. Uh, memory is incredibly fallible if you don't know this. 
getting back around to it, I, uh, at, at, at 19, about seven months after I graduated high school, high school was very hard for me. As I said, um, I barely graduated. Uh, I think it was just by virtue of my academic advisor, like taking pity on me and just being like, all right, we'll give you like this shitty degree where you only need two languages or uh, two uh, semesters of a language and you can just get out of here. Like they just didn't want to deal with me anymore because I, I like when I encountered a class that I didn't like, I just stopped going. And then my counselor was like, you can't do that. And I just say, why? I can't, I'm not getting anything out of this class. I can't do it. I don't like it. It's, it's frustrating to me. And so they, they, they didn't know what to do with me and I didn't know what to do with them. But Every, everybody in my family was worried about me because, like I said, I was a weird kid. I uh, I wore coats in the summer. I had this black coat that I wore all the time, like even in 100-degree heat. And this was Texas. This is Arlington. God, that coat. I, I wonder if I still have that coat. That coat, like I felt naked without it. I, I, I needed it. Like it covered up my body. God, see, this is why I'm doing this podcast because... I, I I need to talk this shit out. I, I I I need these like signs to sort of prove things to me. But like looking like I always thought of this coat as, as like my shield, uh, and I carried everything that I owned in it basically besides whatever I had to put in my backpack. And like looking at it now, it's clear. It was so clearly like something that I put on that smoothed over the shape of my body that I was ashamed of. It's very interesting. Anyway, everybody was very worried about me. I think probably rightly so, because on both my mom and my dad's side of my family, there are a lot of fuck-ups. And there was one particular person, my my Uncle Joe, who uh, he sort of led a tragic life, and I won't really go into it except to say that he's been a lifelong alcoholic and someone who has frequently put out other family members for money, for space, for time, uh, who's basically forced them to enable him to continue being an alcoholic. And everybody was worried about me turning out like him, uh, my mom especially. And I only know this because I later read one of her journals, and that was one of the last things that she wrote, which I guess gets us to what I was building up to um, in... December of 2009, my mom had an aortic dissection, I think is the term. Basically, a major blood vessel or artery running to her heart ruptured and killed her instantly, essentially. So this has been almost 10 years ago, and it's still something that I haven't really dealt with, in part because I just don't. I've never had a stable family, really. There was when I when I grew up in Ohio, I, I had a stable family. Like that was when I was living with my mom and my dad, and that was like the the model nuclear family. Besides siblings, which, which I didn't have, I I have I have two older siblings, but they come from a different father. They're both like ten, eleven years older than me, so they're basically strangers. I, I hang out with them, talk to them every once in a while. Um, we have a lot in common, but we don't have the shared familial like history that 
brothers and sisters usually do. So I've, I haven't had anybody that I've had to confront about like lingering issues with my mom. And I shouldn't go into it too much, but the circumstances around her death were like, I basically, since graduating, just been staying on the couch in my bedroom, which that was my bed, was our, our couch, playing video games, writing fan fiction on the internet, role-playing with people, um, not really interested in college because I hated high school, not really interested in getting a job because I hated everyone. <laughs> And it was very quickly getting to a point where it was like, dude, you need to do something. And I was uh, writing, too. I, I'm, I'm a writer. I was more of a writer than I wrote a lot. I'm s sort of starting writing again more lately. But about, I guess it was two weeks before she died, I just decided, like, I'm going to go stay with my dad in Ohio, and he's going to kick my butt into shape that sort of thing. Uh, it's like, I'm going to get my driver's license, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to save up money, I'm going to do all the whole the whole thing. So I went to stay with him, uh, and it was not particularly productive. He, he worked at a factory, and he left in the morning, came back at night. We would watch a movie, he would make some kind of food, and then go to bed and snore. And I would try to fall asleep on an air mattress in his one-bedroom apartment. Not even bedroom, one room. It was just like a little matchbox. It was basically a rectangular room that was the kitchen and the living room. And then there was a little bathroom side area, and that was it. No closets, no nothing. Just that that was it. Uh, I guess there was a closet, actually, but that doesn't really matter. So no privacy, no sense of like home this is like a temporary place it was fun watching movies with my dad like i got a lot of my love for movies from him he has, he has tons of movies uh lots of old interesting hollywood movies but about a week into that uh, i had a friend from the internet who lived in west virginia that i wanted to hang out with because we never met before he's like hey we'll go see murder by death in cincinnati is that right no doesn't matter we went, we went to uh, see Murder by Death in uh, Cleveland. It's the place. Why, why do all the big cities in Ohio start with C? Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati? Fuck off, Ohio. Anyway, uh, we went to Cleveland, saw Murder by Death, which is still one of my favorite bands, and it was a great time. And so I was like, hey, why don't I come stay with you for a while? We can hang out. And be, it'll be cool. So I did that. Went with, went with her to West Virginia, hung out for a while. I think... It was on that trip that we saw uh, the the Day the Earth Stood Still remake, which was which I, I defended at the time, but it's probably not very good. I think that movie still has some stuff, but whatever. Anyway, uh, while I was playing rock band in her living room, my phone was going off the hook. And the thing is that uh, my phone didn't have reception. I had like a little shell phone. This was still... I think this was like just after the uh, the first iPhone came out, so this was still way before like the ubiquity of cell phones now, where they kind of just work everywhere. Uh, I had a little shell phone that uh, I was out of my network, so it just didn't really work, uh, or it worked intermittently. So in the middle of playing a song on Rock Band, and I wish I could remember which song, I remember just sort of like looking down on the table and seeing my phone like vibrate and and just sort of like 
having this otherworldly rush of fear. Like I, I, I knew what 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 was going to happen, what I was going to hear somehow, and that's that's probably just a coincidence because I I had that fear all through high school. I, I anytime my mom was out too long, I was certain that she had gotten into a wreck. I've always just lived close to this expectation that that she was going to die soon. I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's just because uh, every anime and movie fantasy uh, involves protagonists with dead parents. I don't know. But either way, I had this, this feeling, whether it was something or whether it was just self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, I picked up. So I had a bunch of voice messages and... It was my sister calling me. She said, basically, call me back, call me back, like really urgently. And finally, she she had left a message because apparently I had been unreachable for a couple of days somehow. But she left a message that was basically, uh, hey, are you sitting down? Uh, Mom went to the hospital. She died. We're all going to Texas for the stuff. Um so her boyfriend uh set me up with a trip that sort of stuck with me as this weird transitional moment in my life. Uh I was in West Virginia, I didn't have a car, didn't even have my driver's license. Um Stacy couldn't drive me there, she had work. Uh my dad didn't have a car either. Uh, he'd gotten it suspended. I don't know for what. Probably drinking. Um, so, my mom's boyfriend uh, hooked me up with a trip. Uh, so I got into a cab in Huntington, West Virginia. Went from there to Cincinnati. Columbus. Jeez, see? See what I'm saying? I went from there... Maybe I did go for there from Cincinnati. So yeah, I took I took a bus. Jesus, I'm getting this all mixed up, and this is it, the sequence of events is important to me. Uh, got on a bus in Huntington, West Virginia, to Cincinnati. From Cincinnati, I took a cab. Maybe it was. Jeez, I'm so sorry. This is stupid. None of this. De- none of these details are important. I took a bus to a city. Uh, from from getting off there, I took a cab to the airport, and then I got on a plane and went to Dallas. And and this was important because I'd never taken public transportation before ever in my life. I I had and still have social anxiety, which you know who doesn't. And so I got on this bus by myself with like two giant things of of stuff that I wasn't expecting to take on. Uh, <laughs> public transportation because I couldn't leave it in West Virginia because I would never be back there. Couldn't leave it in Ohio because I couldn't get there. Couldn't get to where my dad was. So rode on this bus full of strangers, just like listening to music, watching lights, watching the world sort of pass me by. And it was night. Uh, And the dawn didn't come until I got on my plane. So it just, it felt like this infinite night that just stretched on forever and I was just sort of confronting this feeling like 
is is she really is she really dead? Like it's am I never going to see her again? And I kept thinking of the last time I saw her, which was her saying goodbye to me at the airport. And I just remember like standing on this escalator going up and watching her like wave at me and she looked so happy. And so happy for me that I was doing something. And so, yeah, I, I just playing through all of this stuff in my mind over and over and over because it was like a three and a half hour drive. And I didn't tip the cab driver, and I've always felt bad about that. And I'm sure he thinks I was an asshole. And I was just like so zonked out, and I didn't know what the protocol was. I'd never been in a cab before in my entire life. I didn't know you were supposed to tip. So I just like, whatever. And then I sat in the airport for a bunch of hours because. Uh, I couldn't make the flight that I was scheduled, so I had to, had to get me to the next one. So I remember like treating myself, quote unquote, and like getting uh, a big vanilla frappuccino from Starbucks, and then I think I bought Fahrenheit 451 at the bookstore. No, uh, 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 Slaughterhouse Five. Jeez, and and sort of trying to read it, and and then just falling asleep. And I never finished that book. I just slept there for a long time, just not even like on a bench or anything, just I was sitting at a table and I just set my head down and I fell asleep. And then I got on the plane and I fell asleep. And that was the first time I'd ever fallen asleep on a plane before. And I woke up uh, and I was certain that I had missed my stop in, in Dallas because uh, I was just looking around and we were above the clouds. And I was just looking around at the clouds and like, oh my God, these are not Texas clouds. Oh God, I slept through. I... Oh no, I'm going to have to call my sister and be like, hey, I need I need somebody to come get me in fucking Louisiana. <laughs> and I was so stressed and I like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. And I finally like grasped onto this bit of reason like, wait, okay, no. Regardless of where I am in space, they cannot do anything about it. I'm going to have to wait for the plane to land anyway. So I'll just wait, and wherever I land will dictate my level of panic. And uh, thankfully, I was full of shit and landed in Dallas, and it was fine. None of that's really relevant to anything that I have to say. I just it's it's important for understanding who I am as a person now, almost ten years later. The short version of the events that followed, uh, it, going through stuff, getting rid of things, had the funeral. Uh, I went to stay with my sister for a while, so I didn't have anywhere else to go. I don't know why, and it never, it never came up that I should stay with my dad again. I don't know why that didn't happen. Like when I, or well, it came up. I never considered it. Is more what I meant. Like my sister offered for me to stay with her, and she was like, you know, you can also go stay with your dad. And for whatever reason, I'm like, well, I can't do that. I can't go stay with him. I don't know why. I don't know why that wasn't an option. I mean, because I, I didn't feel any particular way about his living situation, but the place where he lived, Middleton, it's, I mean, it's between Cincinnati and Dayton, and it's a, just a dead industry town. There's nothing there. I, if I'd have gone there, I wouldn't have gotten a job. Where would I have gotten a job? There's no jobs in Middleton. Anyway, um, so I went to stay with my sister in Indiana for a while. About nine months, I worked at Walmart, which was my first job, working the night shift, uh, which did not do me any, do me any favors as far as uh, finding friends. 
uh, or maintaining a social life. And then after about nine months, moved to Texas to stay with some friends because I needed to change. I wanted to be around my friends. I felt like we were growing apart. I needed to be around them. And that was great for a while. And then it became terrible um, for a bunch of reasons. I'm sure we'll get into some other time. It was basically like living with hoarders. There was a bunch of cats. I had to bury a bunch of dead cats, like inbred, birth defect cats. Uh, it, was not, it was not easy. And it was definitely not great for somebody who was trying to process the death of his mother, uh, having to constantly watch these animals die around me, like for no good reason. And I reached a point where it... Uh, I, 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 I could feel this forked road in front of me. It was either I go to college or I kill myself. It was that, it was that simple. It was like, I, I, I'm miserable here. I, I can't find a job. The city, Arlington, Texas, like there's just nothing that will enrich me. <laughs> there were plenty of jobs that I could have found. I just didn't, I've always been one of these entitled millennials who feels like I should find work and something that actually brings purpose to my life. And there's, there's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to argue that I should have just gotten, gotten a fucking soulless job anyway, because I needed to pay the bills and they were putting me up for free. And that is to this day a point of contention with that friend's relationship and me. But, uh, I decided on college, so I moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is where I was born, well, where where I lived as a toddler, and I had some friends there because I went to middle school there, and I went through the creative writing program there, and I flourished. It was great. I, uh, I made straight A's my first semester, and then I went to the Honors College, and I was just curious because... They they had like honors specific courses that were like harder. I went in and I was like, hey, these and I saw them on the syllabus. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So I want to take that class because I want to learn about that thing. So I went to the honors college and I was like, hey, so I kind of think I want to do this honors college thing, which is weird for me to say because I'm basically a high school dropout in all but name. I've always hated school. What the hell is going on? And the, and this person like looked at me with like so much incredulity. She just like you don't seem like the honors college type. And then she looked up at my records like, oh, well, you have straight A's in your classes, so you can do it. Why not? And I still did straight A's in that. And I was like, I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved I loved learning. I still do. But two years as a, as a student, uh, I, I wrote a book uh, called Good Morning Magpie, um, which is sort of uh, the way I always describe it is the end of the world and talking birds. And looking back at that book now, it's sort of about the emotional wasteland that I was living in at the time and the fact that I needed to start fresh, basically. But I would never have interpreted it like that at the time. Anyway, after two years, I took a year off. I wasn't really feeling it. And I realized, like, oh, hey, maybe I'm actually super into movies instead of writing and transferred to a different school started studying film, and that's where I've really found, like, shit that I care about. So I worked in, in the movie industry here in Oklahoma, which, yes, it does exist. And I spent the last three years doing that. 
And since being in college, uh, a lot of my time has been spent uh, trying to deprogram patriarchal perceptions of reality uh, for myself. So sort of getting rid of my latent sexism and racism, which is an impossible task, but which I've, I've tried to do. Uh, and part of that was that I just like, I stopped trying to date people, trying to engage in any kind of romantic relationship. I just made that choice. Like I'm just done. I'm done for a while. I need time to sort through my own shit. And through that process, I realized like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. Okay, that's probably why I've always had such a hard time with etc. 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 A little while experimenting with that sexuality. Uh, not great results. Part of it is that I'm terrible at relationships. I'm very bad at communication. I have a hard time with that. <laughs> so I also just like, I didn't feel like a sexual compulsion around men. I'm not uh, against it on paper. I can see no reason why I wouldn't. I enjoy some guys quite a bit, but just sexually, it's like, eh, don't, I'm not, 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 I don't, meh, meh, whatever. And so I thought, like, okay, well, maybe I'm asexual. And that's what I lived with for a while. But eventually I sort of, like, realized that's probably not, not really descriptive of me. I, I'm probably closer to asexual than not, because uh, I don't, I don't really think about sex that often. I'm not really that interested. Um, I I enjoy the, the, the possibility. Like I, I'm not opposed to it, um, but I'm far more interested in liking a person and connecting with them on like an emotional level. I think a lot of that also just comes down to the fact that I did not like my body. I did not think that I was an attractive person, so I couldn't understand anybody else finding an attraction in me. I couldn't get out of my head long enough to enjoy sex uh, because all I could think of was like, what am I doing? What is this person doing with me? Are they manipulating me? Do they, are they making fun of me? Is this all ironic? Which is such a stupid thought, but that's just, that's just how it goes. That's what your brain does. It lies to you when you have depression, when you have anxiety, when you're transgender, all these things. Anyway, that brings us to two weeks ago, two months ago. <laughs> the evidence had been piling up for me a little bit. There's a lot of things like I saw uh, Zania Jones's depersonalization essay and read a bunch of stuff on that. A, a YouTuber that I really like, ContraPoints, uh, had done a bunch of videos where she cross-dresses, but she said she wasn't transgender. She recently did come out as transgender, and she released a short film called uh, I Have Gender Dysphoria, which made me cry watching it, and it felt like a lot of what she talked about in that video was very relevant to me. And that sort of flipped a switch in my brain, like, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm transgender. And this was not the first time that I considered the possibility of being trans. I'll just say that right now. But I never really considered it that much, in part because I was uneducated. I didn't know that, I didn't know any trans people. I didn't know much about trans issues. And I also had a very strict narrative about what a trans person goes through, which is I was born in the wrong body from day one. And, you know, I, I, I knew it and I always hated it. And then, you know, I transitioned and everything's great or whatever, which nobody goes through that probably. But that's sort of the, the stereotypical narrative that you hear. And that's what I thought being trans was. 
Uh, and every time it sort of came up, it was like, well, there's no way with my stupid face and my stupid body that I'll ever be able to like pass as a woman in any way. It's all like so expensive. And so at this and that and the other, and like, there's, that's just not me, whatever. And I also don't particularly feel uncomfortable with male pronouns. I don't hate my name. I don't hate that. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel a particular way about my alignment on the gender spectrum it, i sort of just feel like whatever man whatever so just like not not as i have very strong gender dysphoria probably or like body dysphoria and there are a lot of things that that, that are very strong but generally speaking the the typical signifiers of what makes a trans person are not very strong in me what was different about two months ago was that i had this thought maybe i'm trans and instead of writing it off, I decided instead to Google it. <laughs> so I looked up hairy trans people, which that's a gross thing to say, but that's, that was one of my concerns. It's like, can you get rid of hair? Like It seems like that's expensive and painful. And that's when I learned about laser hair removal, which is way less of a problem than I was expecting it to be. And I'm in the process now of considering doing laser hair removal on my beard. I only recently discovered that there's a place that's just like a few minutes away from where I live, and that would be amazing. I googled hair loss on your head, because that's the other thing is that my hair has been thinning. I'm 28 years old, and I'm already thinning like I'm fucking 40, and it's no, it's it's visually very bad. Like I I was fine with it for a long time. Like I've, I've shaved my head completely bald for years at this point because my hair was thinning even when I was in high school. And it's not like it, all the hair is still there, so there's a chance. Because I know that with with estrogen, it's like you can your your hair thickens up on your head a little bit uh, as long as it hasn't gotten so thin that your scalp it, like it can't break through the scalp anymore. But I didn't know that. And that, that's one of the things that I learned. It's like, oh, wait, you can actually, like, estrogen can fix that. It can. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't say that it necessarily always does, but it's an observed side effect that is statistically significant. And so I kept doing research and trying to find people with experiences that lined up with mine. And I kept finding, like, oh, people who have it way worse than me have transitioned well. I found one particular story of a guy who had been in the military who was very masculine, uh, much older. He had like big bags under his eyes and he, you know, looked like a typical military guy transitioned to being a woman. And she looks great. She, she looks like a woman. And it's, that's not a way to delegitimize or legitimize somebody, but, but that's what I needed to see at the time was that somebody who does not have an already sort of like feminine face can can transition and look good in a traditional sense. And a lot of this is rooted in bad <laughs> perceptual norms and gender roles and bullshit, which we'll get into eventually. But I needed to see that. I needed I needed to feel like it was it was attainable. Because all you ever really see are these beautiful people who go from being beautiful as men to beautiful as women, or beautiful as women and becoming beautiful as men, because the people who aren't as 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 traditionally beautiful don't make for as pretty upworthy posts. They don't make for as good like Facebook posts. 
it's not sexy. It's not fun. It reminds us that everybody is kind of ugly and gross anyway. But that's got to be the majority, doesn't it? So here I am in my kitchen doing this podcast, wearing <laughs> wearing leggings and a wide neck t-shirt. I wanted to do this podcast because I want a place where I can investigate these feelings, these thoughts, without worry, without pressure. I want the ability to just ask a question of myself and see how it feels. Because I don't know that I am transgender. I don't know that I want to transition necessarily. That's sort of like the logical doubt in my brain, although I have already started wearing some clothes frequently. And it's sort of like this back and forth thing of like, I don't know if I want to transition. I don't know if I care about passing, but if I could start estrogen tomorrow, I'd fucking do it. <laughs> like I looked at all of the lists of like all of the potential side effects and everything. Like every single one of them besides blood clots is like, wow, that sounds awesome. Cause like, I don't give a shit about my sex drive. <laughs> I don't, what am I, what am I, oh, I'm going to have to stop having all of this amazing sex that I'm having all the time. So anyway, that's sort of where I am. I'm in this like contradictory space of trying to figure out who I am, what I want, what I want to do. And I think that my thoughts could be a helpful milestone for other people in my position who are just looking for a reflection of their identity in something. So I'm not an expert in anything other than myself, which is why this podcast is mostly about me. In future episodes, we'll probably go all over the place. It's hard to say. Um, I have kind of a, a rough roadmap of where I want the next three or four episodes to go, but after that, I'm not really sure. It kind of it all just depends on what I end up doing uh, with myself. I mean, I might decide, you know what? This was a phase. I'm not transgender, and then I'll end the podcast. <laughs> But I don't necessarily see that happening. Anyway, I wanted to end this on like some kind of hopeful note, but I feel like this is a pretty good place to stop. I guess I'll just say, leggings are awesome. Hey, coming at you live from the future, doing my radio DJ voice for some reason. Just want to throw out some words and stuff real quick at you. The music that you heard at the beginning and end of this podcast is the We the Venue Theme Sports song. <laughs> should have written this shit down. As covered by Insane in the Rain music. You should check out his stuff. All of his stuff is incredible. Cover art is by Emily Bumgarner. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and share it with your friends and rate it on whatever platform you use that 
I know you are sick of hearing that from every podcast and you just want to get on to whatever's next in your queue, but seriously, that stuff always really helps. And this is a new podcast trying to get off the ground, so any support you can give would be incredibly helpful. There's a Patreon, patreon.com slash L-T-A-S. That stands for Let's Talk About Stuff, which is also my YouTube channel where I do structured video essays about subjects of my choosing. In this video, you heard me talking a little bit about the Game of Thrones video that is out right now. It's 25 minutes of me talking about how bad the most recent season was. That's fun and relatable, right? You can also find me on Twitter at HMSNoFun. You know how Twitter works. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Man, I got that right as the fucking heat came on. Woo, perfect timing, me. Well, not quite. Now this is going to be in there to explain the noise. Yeah. Let that sink in. See you later.